Welcome to the show. Hi, how are you? Hi. Nice to have you with us. Where are you joining from today? I am in Sudbury, Ontario, Canada. Canada. Yeah. We're just happy to have you and hear your perspectives. There are people who are looking for work, people who are looking to switch careers. And we go on, you know, Dr. Google and read about this and read about that. And we make a lot of mistakes and we show up for the interview. Our one chance, we don't have it right. So tell us a little bit about your background and then we'll get into what we need to know. Yeah, I thought the conversation the two of you were having was absolutely fantastic. And um, it really speaks, actually correlates really well with what I do. So my background, um, I was a human resources manager. So I was that upper level leadership. Um, but I had the unique privilege of being able to really engage and talk to employees and build trust that they would talk to me. And what I learned was things like their frustrations about where they wanted to move in an organization, but they didn't know how, about their lack of confidence, things, in fact, that they didn't know how to tell a leader or a supervisor. Um, and there was just so much opportunity and so many relationships that I could potentially help build um, and then empower people to shoot for the stars. If you have potential and you want to get another job, well, let's figure out how to do it. And what are those things that you're not telling your leader, that you're not telling the organization, that you're not telling that new establishment about yourself? that really make you unique and that you can sell to them and really build their organization up. And so I've had so much fun working both as the leader and helping leaders understand what we're missing, um, those potential unique diamonds in the rough that we're not even interviewing maybe, and then the people themselves helping them really bring what they want to bring across in the interview. So it's been a lot of fun. I think it's fabulous that you have both of those perspectives, uh, being in HR and then on the other side. So can you share with us when you were in, in corporate in the HR role, what were some things that you observed that people did and you thought, oh, such a shame because they have this, this and this, but they just blew it now? Yeah, it was heartbreaking, honestly. And that's why I started this um, this job as a job interview coach. It was really because I'm a mom. I mean, and so you see them come in and you know how excited they are and you've read their covering letter and you love read their resume and you know they've got the potential. And then you can literally see the interview falling apart, crumbling in front of you. You can see the devastation on their face. You can read it on their body language. And now suddenly the answers are getting really short. They can't think. They're going into tunnel vision. They're panicking. And you just wanted to stop and say, it's okay, it's okay. And give them a hug and do some coaching. But of course I couldn't. Um, and so that's why I started this was to help people, um, because then being on the other side too, it's really hard. I mean, I had 200 candidates. I had to go through all of these resumes, do all of this screening. I bring in what I think is going to be my top 30 or 40. And I've invested a lot of time, a lot of money, a lot of energy into this. And now I don't even know which one we should be hiring because they're not selling themselves in these interviews. They're not telling me who they are and how they do things and how they think. So now I'm not sure who to hire. And that's really hard for organizations as well. So I really see what I do as helping both sides. Thank you so much. And you touched on a point that I think people just completely miss. It costs a lot of money to onboard someone, right? And then your leadership is looking to you and saying, okay, we put out X number of dollars for this person and what happened? 
Exactly. So one of the first things I do with candidates is explain an interview is a business transaction. This is an organization trying to figure out who's our best return on investment. It is a very expensive. And in fact, the organization has already lost a lot of money because this position has not been filled. So the productivity is down. The team synergy and, you know, energy of everybody else is exhausted because they're trying to cover for that position that's gone. Um, you don't have the corporate knowledge, the person left with it. So it's having a dramatic impact on the organization. Um, and so they're kind of in panic mode and they're trying to fill it. And they usually come to HR and say, hurry up, hire someone. But it's not that easy. It's, it's a long process. It's a hard process. And you want to make sure you make the right decision. So for candidates, I, I explain you have to sell me on the fact that you are the best candidate. You are my best return on investment. And how are you going to do that? First, you have to know what you're applying for. And that's the number one mistake people make. Have you actually read the job description like in detail? Do you understand what they're looking for? Because I guarantee every word in there has a meaning. Every skill, every competency, everything in there is in there for a purpose. So a question, I have like 10,000 questions. Yeah. Kim, I'm going to go over to you in a second, I promise. So <laughs> when we're reading the job description, what if, let's say there's 15 things and we have 10, oh. what should we do? Should we apply or not? 100%. And what I usually um, help candidates figure out is I bet you we have the other five. It's just that maybe you don't have them directly or a lot of people say, well, I've never worked in this position. It says five years of leadership experience in this job. Okay. Maybe we've never done this job, but I guarantee you've got leadership experience. We've just got to pull it out. And then what we have to do as well is we have to paint that picture for the interview panelist. And this is, I find where a lot of people kind of fail in their answers. It's not detailed enough. So I put them in my spot. I've never met you. And I literally have 45 minutes to try to get introduced to you and understand who you are. And I mean, you as podcast hosts know just how hard that is, right? I mean, you've never met the person and you're trying to get a feel for who they are. And in an interview, you have to do the same thing. So if you've never done this job before, or maybe you're thinking, well, these five aren't as strong, paint the picture for me because I might be thinking the same thing. I looked at that resume and I'm thinking, mm, I don't know if they're going to be able to answer these. But if you can start making the linkages for me, if you can say, well, I know that in this job, you're looking for this. So let me explain what I've done in the past. And in fact, I think the unique um, experience that I bring to you is actually going to help you because I know that your organization strategically is trying to move here. And this is how I would help you do it with a new set of eyes or a new experience. And so now they're kind of intrigued because you sound different than the other candidates. You sound different than what they were expecting. And you're proving to them, wow, you are an innovative thinker. Wow, you do problem solve. Look at your communication skills. So you're actually hitting some of those other skills they were looking for in that job description. I love that. It's really so insane, isn't it? Being that, I, I guess with everything in life, it's, it's be, becoming a good storyteller, isn't it? Because that's how we teach and it's, and it's how we learn. And one of the models that we use over here, and I don't know if it, it it translates um, in America because I always come out with these things. Everyone looks at me and goes, what are you talking about, Kim? Um, but, <laughs> but we use the, uh, we encourage people to use the star model when they're bringing something to life that for somebody that doesn't know them. So what was the situation? What task 
were you being asked to do? What uh, what actions did you take and what was the result of those actions? So paint it for me because that you've so eloquently put, we don't know, we've not seen, uh, we're going to make assumptions and assumptions aren't always the best view of the world, are they? So if you can fill the gaps in for us, if you can paint the picture so that we are there, then actually we can see for ourselves how that is translatable. One of the other things that kind of comes up a lot, uh, has come up a lot in my career is uh, the belief that actually our skill set is industry specific Mm. um, and that people get wedded to, oh, well, actually, I've only ever worked in this industry. so, So my skills sit in that industry. Do you find that a lot? And how do you help people overcome that? Yeah, so you mentioned two really good points. So I just want to conclude the part about the story because the star method is great. Love it. It's a good way of structuring your answer. The issue I find a lot of times people do, though, is they stick to the story for too long. They're going into detail and they're telling me this big, long story. But the key is you also have to make the direct links. You know, tell me it for a purpose. Start to, you know, instill some of those words I want to hear or give me clear examples. So it's not like a story that you tell your friend. It's a story with purpose. Yeah. Um, and then the other piece, yes, people have a hard time saying, well, I'd like to move from here to here. And statistically, we're being um, shown that people actually transition through their lifetime about 15 times, 15 different careers. So really, the point is to make progress, to take what you've learned in one place and kind of you know, move it into the next one. And my best way of proving it to people is to tell them, sorry, about my own background. So um, I started the first 17 years of my career as a police officer. I was a police officer. I moved into a leadership role as sergeant, um, loved it, great job. And then I transitioned into human resources. So now imagine that interview. I have to prove to my leadership team that I can take what I learned as a police officer, a lot of those skills, communication, problem solving, relationship building, conflict resolution, and how am I now going to use those as human resources manager? And, you know, really it is, again, painting that picture, but now it's a very detailed picture and I got, I have to be able to back it with details. So now I better understand the annual plan. I better understand the strategic goals of this organization. I need to have read those policies and procedures and really done some deep thinking of my own on how I actually am going to use these skills in this job. And that's why I tell people, practice, practice, practice. Don't prep for an interview two days before the interview. You don't have time to do this deep thinking you're going to need to do to really bring it across the way that you need to do it in a very succinct, detailed way in 45 minutes. I love that. It's such great advice because you're right. It reminds me of the um, of the quote, isn't it? You know, I wrote you a long story because I didn't have time to write you a short one. Mm-hmm. I guess what you what you're saying is you might have that long story, the one that you'd tell your friend because you know they they love you and they're willing to listen to you for hours, but you've got to be able to condense that down to the actually this is yeah. I'm in an elevator. I've got a short period of time to be able to make the link, make the connection, and help the other person see me in the picture. Mm-hmm. Um, so that become intrinsically when they start thinking of that role, they start thinking of you in Perfect. that role. You're doing that for them. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that. So what advice can you give to people? You, you mentioned some great things, particularly that move from you know, um, police, uh, police officer 
to human resources. I mean, you're immediately like, wow, that's like, <laughs> that feels a little chalk and cheese. And yet you so eloquently painted the picture that it actually isn't. It's communication, yeah. it's problem solving, it's getting to know the people. So what advice can you can you give to people to, when they're wanting to make that bridge themselves? Because you did that bridge so well. But it took me a long time to make that bridge. I mean, I did a lot of education beforehand. I went back to school again while I was working full time. So I would have the qualifications I needed. I had to understand the job I'm going to be applying for. I couldn't just do it instantly. And then I prepped for that interview for a good month. And I show people like the binder I used. It was a lot of work. But part of the reason I think you need to do it is because I need to believe in myself too. I need to believe that I can make this transition and that I'm going to be effective in that role. And the more I studied and the more I understood what it really was, and I went and talked to people doing the position and I talked to people, um, you know, about the field, I started to really believe in myself in this role. And if your answers are genuine, I loved when I met a candidate. And like you said, as they spoke, I could literally picture themselves in this position because they could picture themselves in the position. We weren't talking theories anymore. We were talking, they were already kind of giving me ideas and ways, things that they might do or, and you're almost excited before the interviews finished. You're thinking, oh yeah, this one's come to the top of the pile and they're excited about it too. Um, so I think people need to give themselves the time. I think interview prepping and interviews is a skill. It's not something you can just hammer out tomorrow. Um, and so I, I do believe that it's kind of a structured process and I've designed structured processes um, for people to use on my website, um, jobinterviewcoach.ca. I actually have a form you can download, it's free, and it actually helps you start to do that. How am I gonna make these linkages? How do I take this competency of problem solving? What examples am I gonna give? Why do they need it in this job? And then how am I gonna show that I did it? And we work our way through it and we do every single one of these. And I've got a lot of other resources I've created for people because I know everybody learns differently. Um, everybody has different times um, allotted to it. I have an ebook they can read. I have an online course they can do. I have YouTube videos you can watch. And I tell people, this is your investment. Invest in you. Because think about, we're talking about return on investment. Think about how much money that resume cost you to be able to put it on that boss's desk. How much money did you put into that resume? How much did that education cost? That job experience that you got, maybe working at a lower income because you needed the experience, the volunteer work, the free co-op, the internships. And like people are giving me 100,000, you know, when they start to do the calculations, it's actually a little scary. Mm -hmm. These are great insights. Thank you so much. So let's say we've done the prep work and now mm -hmm. we're going into the interview. Do we go in sort of like, hey, hey, how's it going? Is that a fish you have on your wall? Or do you walk in, hello? <laughs> What's our demeanor? <laughs> uh, don't fake it. Be you, right? Because don't try to be somebody that you're not. Um, but I always tell people, dress the part. I, I close demeanor. It, it's amazing how it can make you feel. So don't, this isn't, I actually have a video on what to wear for your interview. And one of the things I tell them is 
please have a dress par- dress up party beforehand. Don't grab the suit out of the closet the day of the interview, only to realize the last time I wore that suit was like for that wedding, which was five years ago, and now it doesn't actually fit. Or it has a big stain on it because I forgot to get it dry cleaned. It's all wrinkled because it fell to the bottom of the closet. You need to feel confident. And if this is your first set of interviews and you're thinking, but I don't own a suit and that's fine. Find a consignment shop. There are beautiful clothes there that other people have bought, worn, don't want to wear anymore. I love going to consignment shops. You can get some beautiful stuff. The key is to feel confident about who you are. Come in with confidence. And so if that means getting there early so that you're not stressed before you get on or practice the technology so you feel good when you when you log in. Um, if it's things like, oh, I love this one. So if you're a body kinetic learner and you like to, you know, you're, you're a fidgeter. And so you're thinking, I can't sit still in this interview. Like, I know I have to sit still, but so I'm concentrating so hard. I'm trying to sit still. Now I can think, no problem. Wear a ring and just spin it on your thumb. Get that nervous energy out and it's below the desk. I can't see it. And you're spinning. That's okay. It's helping you think. And now you feel more comfortable. And then just take a deep breath and be you. I love Thank that. Such, such great. Sorry, definitely such great advice though. And it reminds me of the, um, I think it's Amy Cuddy's um, TED speech, isn't it? About power poses. Um, and you know, yep. if we put ourselves in a powerful position beforehand, um, that actually that also helps us from a confidence point of view, doesn't it? That I, I guess, like we were saying, it's getting ourselves fully ready to be the best version of ourselves mm-hmm. on the day. Yep. Yep. And if you practiced, really practice. And so, okay, so here's another point. Um, often, you know, I would always debrief people because I, I really believe in professional development. I absolutely love helping people reach their highest potential that's why I do this and so I would try to offer them the ability to do that debrief afterwards but unfortunately I went up had to call you and tell you that you're not the ideal candidate and we didn't select you and one of the questions I would ask people is so tell me how you prepared and so often people would tell me well like I got the job description and I wrote down some stuff I you know I bullet pointed or I wrote it all out I had all my answers okay and then what well, no, that's what I did. Okay, but this was an oral interview. It's like this. Like, if I hadn't thought about what I wanted to say, if I haven't practiced how I'm going to present this, well, then it's really hard to do it in that nervous interview setting. You have to orally practice. And I always say, please don't practice with somebody who loves you and is just going to applaud and say, that was so good, honey. No, it was terrible. Like you were all over the place. You forgot half of what you were going to say. You went off on a tangent with this story that I don't know what the point is. Practice with somebody who actually is going to say, "Mm, no, can we do that again? And get you to actually present it the way that you want to present it in that interview. I love this. Now, what about on the resume itself? If we have some things that stand out. A, we went from job to job to job to job, or B, we were out of work for a period of time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And equally, if what if I was in the same job for like 32 years? Like my resume could be four pages, right? Right. So it's really key, again, and awesome that you brought this up because it's another good point that 
as much as I need to put the time into my interview, I also need to put the time into my resume. And what I find people are doing is they're going on Indeed or Monster or Job Hunt and they're saying, oh, there's one, click, there's one, click, there's one. And they're shooting off the same resume. They're not even reading the job that they just applied for. You need to write that resume for every job. It's a lot of work, but otherwise, I could actually be putting your resume through an electronic screening process. And if you don't have those words that I looked for in my job description, all those hints I gave you, I'm not even looking at it. So you've done all of this for nothing. Now, to your point, if what if I've had a whole bunch of jobs? Okay, then maybe we need to restructure that resume and make it more of a skill-based resume. And we're just going to put the details of the jobs, all the job titles and dates at the bottom. So that's because that's not really the piece that we're focusing on. It's all the things I got out of all of these jobs. The same structure can be used if um, you've done a job for a long time. Um, okay, then maybe we need to restructure it and again, hit kind of the highlights, the, the really big things that you've done in this job rather than all of the things that you've done in this job. I love that. So that's such great insight that, Yeah, I remember having been asked that question once in an interview. They were like, you've had a lot of jobs coming I'm mean a lot of jobs <laughs> yeah um so, so what gives you what should give me confidence if I gave you this job that you you would stay mm. um and actually my answer to them was can I ask um are you planning on leaving and he goes ah sorry I said well I can honestly say I've never yet left the person who recruited me but I have left the person that replaced them um okay it's like oh so because for me it's a value fit you know if I don't like if I don't have the same values as the person that's leading me, then unfortunately, I know that won't be me at my best. <laughs> Therefore, I've always been really bad at then going, well, I'm going to be me at my best somewhere else. Um, but you're right. I guess it's it's having that, it's having already known that's likely to come up. What am I, what is my response and what's my honest response? So it was honestly where I was coming from. So preparing for each interview right back at that um application stage uh -huh. so you're really starting to think about it at the point that you go this job looks interesting to me uh -huh. um the advice is you know, if it genuinely is interesting to you start the investment there uh -huh. start there to say actually how do i put myself in the best light from the resume i put in front of them from the almost that's the first chapter the preface almost of the story that you're starting to tell isn't it to get yeah the other person the other person to come in there so in, so insightful because you're right we, we often don't do that <laughs> we go if we go I've got one that I spent four hours on and I love it and I'm wedded to it so I'm going to send that in but what mm -hmm. I guess what you're suggesting is look back through it even if that is just to change some of the words to um to make it marry the words that the uh, recruiter has already so kindly put out there for you to use you know they've given you the clues haven't they yeah well on those job descriptions they do they are really hard we put a lot of work into job descriptions and job postings and again remember this is a return on investment this is a business transaction so think of it as your resume is your proposal i would like to be considered for this business transaction well, then you better right from the start, show me why out of the 100 applications I have, I should put you to the top 10 or 20 that I want to look at. It's a business transaction. I'm not calling all 200 people. And so often candidates will say to me, well, I applied and I never heard anything. Yeah, probably not. 
They don't have time for that because there's a 200 in this pile and there's another three jobs they're posting. Plus there's all the people they're trying to onboard. Plus there's the people that, that, you know, are booking off sec. HR is so busy that I need you to do your job well. And another great point on that is everything you do, we're measuring. So if you send me in a cover letter that's um, actually a carbon copy of the one that you sent the last employer and you forgot to change the name of the company in it, or you forgot to change the date, um, yeah, it's going in the garbage. Why? Because in this job description, I asked for somebody who is detail-oriented. Mm, that's not much detail, right? It's like, if you say that you're really good at something, then please prove it right from the beginning, because this is literally the first picture I get of you. And if you, oh, if you're sending me um, a resume or um, an application and you're highlighting things that, oh, in this job of security, I'm very excited of having the opportunity to move from location to location. Okay, well, you don't do that in this job. So you're actually looking forward to something that doesn't even exist. And that's concerning because like you made a great point earlier, employers very much are worried that you're not going to want to stay. I mean, they're very aware that people are moving from job to job. And there's a whole bunch of reasons for that. And that's work that I do with leaders, things that I've learned from employees. I actually ask them, if you're coming in for an interview coaching, why did you leave the last job? Teach me. And then I'm sharing that with leaders because there's a lot of work we need to do around that. Mm -hmm. um, but in addition to that, yeah, you know, this is your chance and you really need to know the job that you're applying for, because if you don't, I'm definitely not looking at you. A question I have as a follow-up, when I was in corporate up until two years ago, it was pretty much, yeah, I thought I would, I'd say at AT&T for my entire career, but that didn't end up happening. I had four jobs pretty much. But then it seemed like uh, the shift was stay somewhere for two years, leave, stay somewhere for two years and leave. What's it like today? Well, it's really interesting because um, it's actually happening even earlier on. So one of the things I'm teaching organizations is that it's not just you interviewing candidates, they're interviewing you as the organization. They are looking at your strategic plans. If your values say that we are an inclusive, trusting organization, that we are innovative, you know what the first thing those employees are doing? They're talking to the people that work for you. So it says that they're inclusive, innovative, and uh, you know, trusting. What do you think? No, no, there's nothing innovative about this. They never ask us a question. You, you don't get any say as an employee. Nobody, there's no professional development here. Hmm. I don't think I'm even going to apply. So not only is it that people are leaving once they get in and see that you're not living the values that you said you were going to, they're not even applying to you because you haven't proven it to people. I love that. It's, it's so true. I remember doing um, a big recruitment campaign for an organization probably about 10 years ago. Uh, and I said to them, the first thing we've got to do is sell us. You know, mm -hmm. The first part of the interview has got to be, we want them to be that excited about working yep. for us that they want to do their best because we want the best people out there. We don't just want um, you know, the best that turned upon the day. So put the effort in. Don't, don't rest on your laurels that it's a great company it's a big brand and therefore people are going to fall over themselves because you're right they don't they these days particularly with the ease of social media mm -hmm. you can find out what it's like what people think what you know what's kind of really going on there yeah before you go and, and that stops a lot of 
great talent from even putting their hat in the ring, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Well, and I mean, if we want to like just kind of venture off into that a little bit too, it's the fact that I find employers are so used to kind of marketing to the same group of people. Um, And so I've written a book actually called Knowing Who You Lead. And one of the things I'm doing is empowering leaders to think about who is it that you're trying to attract for these jobs? What qualities are you putting into those job descriptions? And is it because that's the person that you're comfortable in leading? Is that what you think you need? And is that really the fact? Because there's a lot of really unique people that could bring unique skill sets to this job that you're not even attracting because you're not marketing to them. You're not looking at them when their resume comes in because you think, oh, that doesn't have anything to do with us. We're not looking at that. You need to expand who you're looking at because there's some really great candidates, but they don't know your industry. They've never worked there. They don't know anything about it. And so even the way you market it has to change and alter. I love that. Such great, such great advice because we we inadvertently layer our unconscious bias all over everything we do. Don't we? It's like, so okay, I've, I've seen with the big organizations that are desperately trying to drive their diversity and inclusion and, and then you look at the way that they've written a job description or you look at the way that they've written the job advert and you're like well the people that you're wanting to attract aren't going to answer that that blatantly says it's not for you mm-hmm. <laughs> but they don't necessarily mean that it's just that it's lack of understanding isn't it and how do you really appeal to an audience that isn't yours today Well, and so some of the work I do with organizations is actually what we need to do is start with you because you actually did write that the way that you meant it. You didn't may not be aware of it, but maybe you're not ready yet when you're not aware of your own assumptions, your own labels, your own biases about and your own comforts. There's a certain comfort in who I think should do this job. So I'll give you a really quick example. Um, let's say data analytics. That's a pretty prevalent one. And the person who is leading this group is extremely data analytic. They are very, they are problem solver. They're very independent. They like to work on their own. They like, they're very steadfast, very rule driven. Perfect. Cause those are the things we need. Now, somebody applies to you who doesn't quite fit that personality. You've heard about them in other jobs. They're a real team player. They like to engage. They like to talk. And you're thinking, oh, absolutely not. You know, I have my team. It's structured this way. But if you actually looked at them and brought them on your team, what could they do for your team? But because your team is structured the same way and all of you like to like work on your own and you like to do your own work, I bet you your team has a hard time relating to other teams in the organization because they don't want to talk to anybody. They don't like collaborative work. They want to just do it. They don't like when people bring in big ideas and change it up. So if you actually brought somebody in on your team that was really good at that, that had those skill sets, they could actually become the voice of your team because they're comfortable with it. They can work with that other team. They can help say, this is what our team needs, this is what your team needs, and rebuild some relationships maybe that have broken down. But you say you want to diversify, but do you really... Or do you just keep hiring what I call as mini me's, the same person over and over because that's what you're comfortable with? Again? 100%. Yes. I would love to share with leaders things that their employees wish you knew. 
there's so many little gems that we could do so much with. And it, it goes back to what the two of you were talking about at the beginning. Sometimes we jump too quickly to problem solving and trying to offer solutions. And we needed to just listen because we really missed the point. We don't actually know what's happening for our employees. How do people reach out to you? I know you mentioned it before, but if you could just, again, so that people can call you and contact you. For sure. So if it's people interested in the interviewing aspect that we talked about, it's jobinterviewcoach.ca. I'm Carrie Lynn Hodson, um, and you can find me on YouTube and especially on LinkedIn. And if it's employers that are also kind of intrigued about this conversation and want to learn more, my website is knowingwhoyoulead.com and again on LinkedIn. Okay. Let me just put that up there. Yay. Okay. Fabulous. Well, thank you again. It's been an absolute delight. It was a lot of fun. We'll <laughs> nice. see. We'll see you both soon. See All you right. Next. Fantastic. Okay. Thank you.